Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. We're recording this on Sunday evening in between uh, Croatia and Canada and Germany, Spain, but Kieran's a bit sleepy. Because Kieran, you, you had a lovely day at the dripping pan yesterday, didn't you? And you got yourself all excited with chocolate and sugar, didn't you? <laughs> yes, I did. I, I went to uh, see uh, Lewis play uh, Picnic, Picnic and Bowls. <laughs> From sort of from Basildon Way, um, and it was it was it was a cracking experience. So I, uh, the Baroness came with me. She'd never been to a non-league match before, and she was she was very much taken with it. First of all, a cup of tea was only a pound, which was you, know, you get ripped off at uh, Premier League and EFL matches. Um, and then we were invited in at, at half time to sort of meet a couple of people from the club, um, and they had wagon wheels. I was going, oh lordy, I'm not one of these since I was about twelve. So, uh, so yeah. So the Baroness spoke to people, and I at wagon wheels during during the halftime break. And um, was, was there an urchin selling programs for five p a pop? <laughs> In Lewis, uh, Lewis is more hipster than Brighton is. <laughs> so, no, sadly were they, not. Were, were these ironic wagon wheels or actual old wagon wheels? But well, no, these are these are proper proper wagon wheels, although oh. a lot smaller, a lot smaller. That's yeah. shrinkflation has really got to them, which was. Uh, which was a tragedy, but uh, pro- proper non-league football, uh, a, a goal direct from a corner, and uh, a twenty-one man scrap uh, in the penalty box uh, when jostling for a corner was was yeah, this, this is this is old school football. This, this is what this is what we turn up for. Yeah, how many cups of tea did the Baroness get through? And she got she got through two and a half. Did she? Yes. <laughs> At that price. You know, you know what tea does? Tea goes right to her head, doesn't it? Oh, uh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's, it's questions day. We've got some really good questions, Kieran. Um, the first one, I have to say, which comes from Lloyd Morgan, had me thinking for a good couple of hours, this question. I thought it was a really interesting one, and I'd be fascinated to hear what you say in reply. Lloyd Morgan says, as a Middle- Middlesbrough supporter of the last 27 years, I have seen teams in the northeast slowly decline in size and stature compared to our southern-based counterparts. As the percentage of teams in the Premier League now shows a greater weighting towards southern clubs like Brentford, Fulham, Bournemouth, uh, I should mention Brighton, Kieran, although he hasn't, obviously, as he's trying to get in my good books. And Palace. Oh, yeah, he hasn't mentioned Palace. I'm not answering his question. That's it. (laughs) Um, uh, More southern clubs rather than Middlesbrough and Sunderland. Why is this the case? Is it a simple case of money and what can clubs who reside in the north who are less affluent do to counter this trend? It it got me thinking, Kieran, about when we mm. first started watching football. So Brian Moore of Blessed Memory on the big match always said, because you know, if we go from 1962, uh, just to annoy Tottenham fans, between 1962 <laughs> and 2022, it was it was 1971 until a London club won won the league, Arsenal, and then it was another nearly two decades before it happened again. And Brian Moore always said that it's, it's too difficult for a London club to win the league because there's too many London derbies when there are only three or four clubs. But, I mean, this is an interesting question because Newcastle are in the ascendancy in the North East now. But it wasn't long ago since Middlesbrough were, were top dogs in the, in the, in the North East. And it's only really in, in the North West, in Liverpool and Everton. I mean, even in Manchester, City and United have had their turns out of the top league. So it's an interesting one. Is it just sick giggles or is it money, Kieran? Um, I, I think it's it's linked to money, 
but it's also linked to um, the owners. So yeah. if we take a look at Newcastle, um, you know they're, they're currently third in the Premier League on merit. There's yeah. nothing, yeah, no, yeah. Nobody can argue. They're playing some cracking football. Um, but Mike Ashley's no longer there. So yeah, the new owners have come in and they've spent £200 million. That's Finley with his squeaky fox, if you can hear that in the background. Um, um, and... <laughs> No it's, wonder it, we don't get invited on to Celebrity Pointless. It's it's his it's his timing that does it. Just... <laughs> so 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 Mike Ashley was uh, cautious with money. Um, then if we take a look at Sunderland, um, Su- Sunderland are just coming out of the the Charlie Methven and Stuart Donald era, and um, you know the club was relegated from the Premier League. Um, it did receive parachute payments. It, you know, it does have a big fan base. Nobody can deny that. Um, how those how those parachute payments were used is has never quite been made clear. Um, but they didn't necessarily go uh, straight straight back into the into the playing budget. So so Sunderland, I, th- I think, suffered due to owners. Uh, Newcastle had an owner whose focus was not on progressing things on the pitch. In the case of Middlesbrough, they've They've got Steve Gibson, who is a local lad. Um, he's he's put over two hundred million pounds into the club. The, the trouble is in football is, is that it's a terrible thing to say. Two hundred million quid doesn't get you very far for, you know, for yeah. all of the. Yeah. If, if we go back to uh, you know to Derby and Mel Morris for for all of the the brickbats that have been thrown at him, and and, and I've, I've I've lobbed the occasional one myself. Um, he he did put a lot of money into that club. Yeah, you know, he, he was well into nine figures himself. Um, so. It's it's spending it and spending it well. Um, if it's a terrible thing to say because this sounds like it's a, it's it's a regionalist comment, but if you're trying to attract players to come to your club, wages is one thing, location is another. So yeah. unless you're prepared to pay a premium wage, yeah, we, we remember, yeah, we, we can remember Ravanelli and Juninho and players like that going to play in Middlesbrough, but Middlesbrough were losing hand over fist um, during that period of time. Um, players, players like London. L- London's a sexy city. Yeah, they they they, they can uh, they they can become invisible. Uh, they can have yeah they can go out and party. Um, whereas I think in the in the cities in the northeast, um, you're, you're slightly more uh, you're slightly more in focus as a footballer. So um, I think that there is the attraction of London. Um, Manchester and Liverpool together now have. Um, a, a sort of a, a critical mass which attracts players, mm. um, as well as uh, the, the wages. You know, they, it's the Manchester United, Manchester City, and Liverpool are uh, the three of the four highest wage players in the country. So, so that again attracts players elsewhere. So, it, it, a function of money, yes. Um, a function of if a player has got the choice between playing for, for Brentford or Fulham, or you know, Middlesbrough or Sunderland or Newcastle, and they're all offering the same wages. Well, then other things come into in, into the equation as well. You know, b- before Mike Ashley left, Mike Newcastle for a club that size really didn't pay wages, which were uh, which we'd call say in in line with expectations. So so that meant that they had to uh, uh, you know a- accept perhaps players who who. They, the fans perhaps wouldn't be over keen on, and, and ultimately that's that's impacted upon uh, on pitch performance. And it's it's the same for for Borough and Sunderland. Uh, you know that they have had 
in uh, in was it Randy Lerner was the um, was was it Randy Lerner who no Randy Lerner was at uh, Villa but um, in in the, in their previous owner at Sunderland they had an owner that put money money into the club but it just wasn't enough to keep keep them in the Premier League. Yeah, any, every time you say the words Randy Lerner, I panic ever so slightly, Kieran. It's <laughs> another podcast, isn't it? Yeah, uh, the London factor notwithstanding, I mean, we've we've saw Wimbledon in the top division not that long ago. Ten years ago, if you'd said to a London football fan, Brentford and Fulham, you know, with an with a capacity between them of about thirty five thousand, bit more than that, maybe, would both be in the Premier League. No one. Would have believed you. So, is it is it simple as that? It's just location. Um, well, no. I, I think again, it does come back to the owners. In in the case of Fulham, um, Shahid Khan has put thick end of half a billion pounds into the club. Yeah. So yeah. yeah so that helps. And in in the case of Brentford, you've got um, another mathematical genius who who uses data analytics. To, to get Brentford into the Premier League and uh, to get them you know in, in, a, in a decent position um, as, as they've as they've demonstrated both this season and last season so um, I think it, it, for some clubs getting there it's because they are keener to embrace um, alternative ways of, of spotting talent. Um, and, and I had a meeting earlier this week with with some people who were sort of towards sort of the the geeky end of things, and, and, and they were showing me which clubs use it and which clubs don't, and, and it was quite uh, quite an eye opener. It's I, I don't think it's it's down to Finley's plaything that we're not on celebrity pointless, Kieran. Considering that for years <laughs> Alexander Armstrong was essentially Richard Osman's squeaky toy. I don't think that's <laughs> keeping us off it. Our next question comes from Jordan King. And Jordan says, we know that the Champions League is the real money spinner of European football. But given Rangers got to the final of the Europa League and West Ham and Leicester got to the semi-finals of the league and conference respectively, how much would these clubs have earned from prize money, gate and TV money? Right. Um, as far as um, UEFA is concerned... Um, prize money and TV money are effectively the, the, the same thing because because they they allocate uh, they allocate according to how far you get into the competition and as we know UEFA also has um, a, a huge number of pots including the the, the ten year coefficient which we'll probably cover in more depth on Thursday because things are starting to kick off there um, in the case of Rangers getting to the final of the Europa League. They made £17.3 million pounds, um, from, from their achievements last season. Um, they would have got another £4 million had they won it, and then they would have got more money because they would have appeared in the Super Cup um, against Real Madrid, which I'd imagine would have been, uh, you know, uh, for many for many Rangers fans, you know, to see them in in a in a final like that. So you'd imagine that would have been packed out. Um, on top of that, I think they had seven home games at Ibrox, Probably bringing in the regional. It, it, you know, it varies because in in the group games you, you have to offer discounted or you know competitive prices for tickets. Um, but they probably made in the region of you know, 13, 14 million pounds. So you put those two together, and you've you've got thirty million pounds of additional revenue being generated. Um, but you, you then got, of course, you know, players are on bonuses. Take that takes a slice. Um, you've got the cost of hosting the fees. 
um, and so on. But it's you know it's still you know a, a solid thirty million pounds. Um, in the case of West Ham and Leicester, um, the Europa Conference, um, and this this will sound terrible. Um, it, it only generated around about seven million pounds in Ooh. in prize money in TV money. Um, you know, and I know that for. Uh, uh, you know, for some clubs, seven million pounds is you know, two or three years worth of, of their annual income in, in the lower leagues. But you know, in the context of the Premier League, where both of those clubs are, are generating somewhere in the region of one hundred and fifty to two hundred, it's it's not hugely significant. And again, once you've paid your your additional costs, um, that they won't have made a, a huge sum of money. So, um, the Europa Conference, it's. It's for the glory, and, and you know, when when you get to those um, final stages, uh, you know the money does start to rack up a bit more. I'm, I'm sure if if either of our clubs got to the Europa Conference, we'd probably think it was one of the greatest seasons of our of our lives. You know, right. just to, just just to the thought of going to Albania on a Thursday night. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd be there like a shot, um, uh, but it's not particularly lucrative um, compared to. The uh, the Champions League, the Champions League. Um, I think it's for for every one pound you get in the in the conference, you get sorry one pound you get in the Europa League, you get around about four and a half in the Champions League, and for every one pound that you get in the conference, you get around about seven in the Champions League. So it, it, it is a significant difference. Some fans dream of winning the Champions League, Kieran. Some fans dream of getting in the FA Cup third round draw. I dream exactly. of. I dream of playing Vaduz away in the conference. <laughs> now, sort of an indication of where Palace are in the scheme of things. I've, I've been to Liechtenstein. I would be the most excited. I just imagine a thousand Palace fans crossing the border into Liechtenstein while the bemused bloke in the post office, which counts as the border building there, is wondering, <laughs> wondering what's happening. Um, <laughs> name of the evening goes to Ray Challenger, which is uh, that's up there with Max Power. As far as I'm concerned, there's a brilliant name. Well, as you get it into a pub, what's your name, mate? Ray Challenger. I'll get these drinks. Uh, I mean, even Uncle Terry would be impressed by meeting Ray Challenger. Mm. Uh, Ray's yeah. question is this. The Championship Playoff Final is often referred to as the most valuable game in the world, especially by Sky, uh, seven or eight times per game, <laughs> per evening. And that, and that got me wondering, and this is a great question, what do you think is the most valuable goal ever scored in financial terms? The 11th of May, 2003. Oh. The final match of the Premier League season. And Chelsea are at home at Stamford Bridge to Liverpool. Um, They are equal on points. Chelsea have a a superior goal difference. Uh, Sammy Hippier scores for Liverpool early on. Marcel Desailly. Uh, equalises almost immediately. And then Jesper Gronchar scores the winner, which takes Chelsea into fourth position. And that means that they qualify for the uh, the, the knockout stages, uh, sorry, the, the, the preliminary stages of the following year's um, Champions League. Um, at that time, there was a Russian businessman thinking about buying uh, a team well. in England. And he hadn't well. made his mind up. He had considered buying Manchester United. 
but he quite liked the idea of London as you know going back to our our first question you know uh, you know many people from overseas and, and you know I've, I've lived in the city of Manchester and I've worked in the city of Liverpool and I've been to the northeast in many occasions I, I love Manchester I love I love uh, as as my as my mum uh, often refers to me is I I don't understand why you ever became a Manchurian but um, <laughs> I, and, and this 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 gave this gave <laughs> this gave her the people in my my mum lives in a little village in uh, in Mayo and she told she told uh, she told all of her friends that I'd. I'd married a local girl, um, and uh, I had two Manchurian children. So that, that was really confusing. So when, when they came across and they were two Manchester Scallies, my kids are going, they don't look as if they want some dim sum. They, you know, sort of, sort of. So, yeah, it was all, all – but, uh, but that's, 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 that's family, family, family nonsensity. But um, had it not been for Jesper Kronkriar scoring – that goal and had Liverpool uh, won that match, um, then I think there's a very high chance that uh, Roman Abramovich would not have bought Chelsea and they would not have won the Champions League on two occasions and they would not have won the Premier League. Um, and uh, he he put in you know 1.5 billion pounds um, over the course of the next uh, 19 years. So so for me that is the uh, the most valuable goal. In the in the history of football, and uh, you know, uh, I know Jesper Gronkjaer uh, was one of those players who sort of blows hot and cold. But on that day, he he was worth his weight in plutonium, at least. That's a a great answer, Kieran. It's a really good answer. You you actually took me there. If I was a Chelsea fan, God forbid, I, I think <laughs> I think the hairs on the back of my neck would be rippling now. But uh, I'm going to be interested to see on social media whether our listeners agree with you. I'd, in fact, I'm going to invite our listeners to disagree with me, to see what they think is the most valuable goal ever scored. It's a great question. Thank you, Ray. Uh, an equally good name, but in perhaps a more English way, uh, if hobbits were English, uh, <laughs> is Dan Crook Sycamore. And Dan Crook Sycamore's question is, do you think flexi season tickets, which mix both physical and virtual tickets, will become more commonplace Across the football grid pyramid, yeah, I, I was a, I was a little bit confused of this one from Dan, um, but uh, I, I have looked up flexi season tickets, and I, and I might have got the wrong end of the stick here. But for people not familiar, that we've got clubs such as as Carlisle, and, and what Carlisle say is, uh, if if you pay a membership fee, mm. um, we will guarantee you um, effectively seven matches a season. Um, and it cost you, only cost you twelve pounds. So you can you can buy tickets for up to twelve up to seven matches a season for twelve pounds each on top of a membership. So so they call this a flexi season ticket because um, you know you are certain. And and I think that's that's quite reflective of um, many people's lives in in twenty twenty two, soon to be twenty twenty three. That you know as as much as we want to go to every match circumstances and, and life and, and externalities get in the way, as, of course, does the, the financial commitment. So um, I, I think I presume that's uh, something uh, in, in relation to, to, to Dan's suggestion. Um, a lot would depend upon the club. Um, yeah, I, I would imagine something like this would be really popular um, if, for example, um, Old Trafford was knocked down and replaced with a ninety thousand seater stadium mm. because 
Uh, for all the, all of the the criticism uh, leveled at the Glazers, um, some of which is perfectly valid criticism, and the one thing that they have done over the course of the last decade is, is to keep season ticket prices um, static, um, which is which is good. You know, if you're if you're a hardcore red, um, I think what they'd like to do is is to sell more tickets um, to non-traditional season ticket holders and yeah, Manchester United has a uh, has a very uh, international fan base you know and if you said to a, to a fan um you know we'll we'll give you a, a season ticket and you you've got a five a five match season ticket um you I think I think the club could make a lot more money out of it um you know th- those fans that uh, have to travel further they would they would enjoy it as well um so I think flexibility and uh Sort of alternative thinking in relation to season tickets will become more uh, more common as the game goes along. Uh, and apologies to Dan if, if if I've completely misinterpreted where he said physical and virtual tickets. That 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 did confuse me a bit. Well, he he may be talking about the idea because there are some clubs where you can pay an extra five ten pounds and your season ticket is actually tangible. You you will get a right. ticket, yeah, yeah. a card. Um, I know you can do that at one or two Premier League. I know Palace, for example, are desperate to get everyone onto virtual tickets, whereas the fans are equally desperate to have a mix of both, at least for the next couple mm. of years. So perhaps if Dan Crook-Sycamore wants to uh, indicate in an email, and that will, that will jump the queue, whether or not that is the right question. Uh, but that's a good explanation, Kieran. If you could now explain to me what the Bibbly Cheese semi-automatic VAR offside is, because... <laughs> <laughs> Martin Keogh was trying to explain it the other day, going on about chips in the ball, and he confused himself and confused me in the process. I have to say, um, uh, Martin is very—he lives in a state of semi-bemusement anyway. Martin Keogh, doesn't he? Twenty twenty-two, Martin, stop saying handbags. Our next question comes from Clarissa Carpen. Uh, Clarissa Carpen, <laughs> I watched the England game against the USA with uh, Sam Allardyce the other night. Long story. Wow. <laughs> I, to, I really had to keep checking my watch to see what World Cup I was looking at. <laughs> it's really, I'm fairly certain it was 2022 and I entered the building, but never mind. Okay. Uh, <laughs> apparently no one could defend anymore. No one could defend anymore. Just Rose Z. Oh, I don't think they call it that in Qatar, <laughs> so I don't think it's Rose Ed in Qatar. Clarissa Carpen's question is this. What are the effects on club staff when a team is relegated? We've never really talked about this, Kieran, in, in detail. Clarissa says, I assume there's a mixture of staff cuts and brain drain. Are certain departments affected more than others? And are there pay cuts across the board? I work in marketing at a large law firm. And there's a stark divide between what the lawyers receive in terms of paid benefits resources versus non-attorney staff. I'm not surprised to hear that, Clarissa. It makes me wonder what happens to staff on football teams if players face wage cuts and or the possibility of being sold. And I, th- I think one thing we have discussed, Kim, is that many people don't fully realise the effect that relegation has on the staff of the club. The players, to an extent, we know what's going on. But I'm a trustee of the of Palace for Life, the foundation at Palace. Mm. The thought of relegation is something we have to think about from the start of every season because it will cost the club a fortune if Palace are relegated to the jet. Across the foundation of fortune, we will lose a significant amount of money, and that's money that goes towards the community. So relegation is a real fear, and it really does affect the livelihoods of staff, Kieran, doesn't it? 
It, it certainly does. Um, I mean, if we take a for example, um, Aston Villa were relegated from the Premier League at the end of the uh, 2015-16 season. And they, they played the following season, a couple of seasons uh, back in the championship. Well, if you go into the small print of their accounts, um, which of course is something which I enjoy <laughs> doing, um, the the number of staff at uh, at Aston Villa, and th- this is this is sort of the, yeah, this is the personal story of football. The number of staff decreased from sixteen hundred and twenty three to a thousand and sixty four. So so four hundred and seventy people. 570 people um, lost lost their jobs um, on on the back of that. And as as you rightly said, uh, in terms of the players, do players have relegation clauses in contracts? Um, For the vast majority of clubs, that is the case. Um, And I've always defended players' wages, as you know. Um, But if if a player goes from 45, 50 grand a week to 30 grand a week, they're still – not going to be worrying about can they go and put the bulbs? Yeah, can, yeah, can they go and switch yeah, the light bulb on? Um, so I'm not I'm not saying that it has no impact upon them, but that they do have an element of protection. Um, in respect of other staff, it's it's genuine fear, and, and certainly I've I've spoken to to chief executives and uh, financial officers um, at clubs, and and that they say that's the thing which keeps them awake at night yeah. most of all because it's it's the people who. Of Villa fans who work in the club who, who probably aren't getting market rates, you know, yeah. and, and this is one thing that uh, I, I get a lot of people emailing me and uh, I've, I've Zoom conversations and contact me on Twitter and say, you know, how do, how do you get to work in the football industry? Yeah. Um, and I, I always give a degree of caution to this. I've got, I've got friends, I've got family that work in football um, and you know, they will say it's a job first and foremost. And if you're in marketing, if you're in transport, if you're a physiotherapist, that is your job. It just happens to be at a football club. And, and if you think that if you're, you'll be sitting at the canteen one day and uh, Jurgen Klopp or uh, you know, uh, you know, Pep's walking past and uh, you, you chip in with, uh, have you ever thought about doing this for, yeah. for throw-ins? Yeah, it, it ain't going to happen. You know, you, you, um, it's not that that relationship with with players and and, uh, and management um, is is professional at arm's length. Um, so always bear this in mind. A, a good friend of mine, he was once offered a, a finance job um, at a, a very high profile football club, um, and after the interview, um, he was offered the job, and he turned them down simply wow. because the the terms and conditions weren't very good. And as he's said with me, you know, the the lack of controls at the club, the lack of proper proper financial common sense that was being applied at the club really shocked him. And he, and he was even a supporter of the club. So um, th- there is a huge impact upon people. And, you know, that's going from the Premier League to the Championship, from the Championship to to, to League One, where there's another big gap, and also going from League Two to, to National League. So there, there is a human cost. And, and I know people say, well, surely there's a yin and a yang in the sense that, well, you know, the people that get promoted, they'll be employing more people. And yes, that is the case. But you know, you're not working in the same city. And yet uh, being made redundant, losing your job is a very personal experience. And you know, that, that's why there is more to football than meets the eye. 
Well, that's a double whammy we talked about in, you know, Derby, for example, was the last example before that Wigan. You know, mm. I, know I know a lot of people at Palace at all sorts of levels and, and the, the players, of course, love the club and are committed to the club. The physios, the training staff, academy staff, they don't tend to be Palace fans. They're professionals who yep. are doing their best for the club. But the, the ones that are getting laid off, the staff, the club shop people, the, the, the ticket people, they do tend to be Palace fans because that's why they mm. went for the job in the first place. So not only are they seeing their team relegated, they're being made redundant because of it. And it's 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 heartbreaking. That's, that's again, that's a hidden cost. If we talk about clubs going into administration, that's they're the people that really, really suffer. Ah, mm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. On a similar note, um, Travis Cottle... Now, I'm going to tell Travis off here because Travis prefaces his question by saying, my dumb American question is this. It's not a dumb question, uh, Travis. As Kieran always says, the only silly question is one that's not uh, not asked. That's what he says on the pod. It's not what he actually says to me in private. But Travis Cottle says, my question is, what is the difference in costs to fans when a club is promoted or relegated? Presumably ticket prices will go up or down, but do other costs change like concessions? Um, hi, hi, Travis. It, normally there is an impact, especially when clubs are promoted. Um, and uh, you might see your season ticket price frozen and you might think oh i'm getting a good deal here but remember in the uh, in the efl championship you get 23 home games a season whereas in the premier league you get 19 so there's there's sometimes a hidden price rise um what you will also tend to see is that if a club is promoted to the premier league and, and I, I know i appreciate this doesn't apply to to all uh, clubs uh, but it, it certainly does, uh, certainly does at mine, is, is that the, the opponents effectively determine ticket prices. So um, my we're playing uh, our, our first match at home after uh, after the World Cup is at home to Arsenal. And Arsenal are a grade A opponent. So um, I'm, I'm teaching quite a few uh, students from Japan on, on the MBA course at, at Liverpool. And... They're really keen to come and watch uh, a match at the Amex because we've got Mitoma, uh, who's who's a bit of a poster boy at their present, um, and you know the, the ticket prices were were right at the top end. Whereas, you know, no disrespect, but you know, if if it is Bournemouth at home, if it is uh, you know perhaps uh, a side which which doesn't have such a glamorous, then then the prices tend to be lower, and that doesn't tend to be the case. Um, as much uh, in the championship and the lower leagues, so uh, that that applies for all match day tickets. It could be that when you're relegated, you know, this, again, I don't necessarily think your season ticket price will will go down, but it will be difficult to justify it going up. And when when clubs 
are a little bit forgetful that when you get promoted to the Premier League, um, you you get four fewer matches a season. Um, their their memory tends to come shooting back to them when they try to point out to you, well, you've got four four extra matches this season uh, if we get relegated. So so don't don't expect a, a season ticket price cut. You know what you should do, Kieran, with those Japanese students of yours, just to test their metal and maybe give them an extra 10 points at the end of term, is to say, I'll get you tickets for the Brighton game, but you've got to sort your own train tickets from Liverpool to the South Coast. <laughs> and if they manage that, then don't charge yes. them for the Brighton ticket. Because the only problem well, is we, we might end up with three or four, be like Challenge Annika, there'll be three or four <laughs> confused Japanese kids wandering around Swindon Railway Station, <laughs> showing people photographs of you saying, do you know where I can find this man? <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm travelling. So we're recording this on Sunday night. I'm I'm travelling up to Liverpool on Monday morning. So I have to catch the the 4:26 a.m. train, um, and it's uh, it takes 45 minutes to get to the station. So it's 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 an early start, and, and I've got 11 tickets for a day return uh, from uh, from where I'm going to. Uh, to Liverpool, such is the chaotic state of uh, public transport in this country. You made yourself sound like a tout. Then I've got eleven tickets. Eleven <laughs> tickets. Who wants a ticket? For, who wants a ticket for four twenty six? Four twenty. Who? The, it's, the, it's not you. I feel sorry for getting that train. It's the poor sod who has to drive it. He's getting up now. Uh, our next question, Kieran, comes from an anonymous listener, which makes me think it might be oh. Swiss Ramble. He's stumped himself. He's come up with a difficult problem. He's thought, I know what I'll do. I'll ask Kieran. I'll put myself down on that two-year waiting list and put myself down as anonymous. Uh, anonymous listener says, uh, and for the most part, we don't encourage questions for anonymous listeners, everybody, but it might be that he's got a name like Ray Challenger and doesn't want me going on about what a brilliant name it is. Uh, <laughs> or his name could be Dick Swordswallower, for all we know. Who knows? Um Anonymous listener says, both Real Madrid and Barcelona are spending a lot of money renovating their stadiums. However, the Bernabeu is only going to have an extra 800 seats and Barcelona is spending more than £1 billion, adding only a few thousand extra seats to the new camp. How do Real and Barca expect to make their money back on expensive stadium renovations with such small increases in stadium capacity? Are these good investments or vanity projects? Um, Real Madrid and Barcelona don't want legacy fans at their grounds and they want to prepare the stadium for hospitality, for the corporate fan, for the fan who's prepared to pay premium prices um, in order to get a, a premium experience. And and I'm, and I'm not going to be overly critical about the, uh, uh, the cost of these tickets because um, the, the same exists in, in other industries. Um, uh, the, the Baroness is a big fan of Take That. Uh, we have somewhat divergent musical tastes. So um, I've got her for Christmas. It's okay. She doesn't listen to the show. Um, I've, I've got her for Christmas, two tickets to go and see uh, Take That at, uh, at Hyde Park next yeah. year. And the prices, um, you you can pay up to three or 400 quid for a ticket. And I'm going, yeah, what do you get from that? And you, know, you, you get a lanyard and, and you, you get free food and drink. <laughs> I go, well, that must be a pretty impressive lanyard. Uh, and of course you get, you get closer to the stage and, and you know, for anybody who's ever been to BST, it's, it's a, it's, it's a great festival day provided the weather's good. Um, so, so we are seeing that come into, into football as well. Um, if, if you look at what happens at, uh, at Bayern Munich, 
there, the buy and say, um, we get more money from uh, corporate uh, customers than we do from the 55,000 regulars who who turn up to watch the uh, the players. Um, it is the Alliance Arena, isn't it? I think. Um, so oh, yeah, so that that's that's what both Barcelona and Real Madrid want to do. It's it's not the actual number of of bums on seat to bums, and, and that's how they see us. Um, it's what can they do to uh, attract the corporate uh, the corporate euro um, for people who are prepared to pay premium prices for a variety of premium products and, and we you know if, if you look at if you look at Manchester City they've now got the tunnel club haven't they so you you can now if you've got certain seats you can see the players warming up in the tunnel now you know if if anybody's got a desire to see Jack Grealish picking his nose before a match you know it, it Somehow you you get the opportunity to pay an awful lot of money for for that particular privilege. Yeah, I I think I've probably told you in in private my my take that stories, haven't I? Working with take that. Oh no, on an ITV. Well, I'll I'll tell the Baroness. All I will Ooh, say. Yeah. All I will say is it's it's very very difficult not to mention Robbie Williams when the last thing. One of their people has said to you is, for the love of Christ, don't mention Robbie Williams. <laughs> when, you're, when you're ushered into Gary Barlow's lair, uh, almost, I, th- I presume the white cat must have jumped off his lap as I arrived in. Howard and Jason were <laughs> chained up in the corner, uh, nibbling on crusts of bread, uh, learning the, the one dance they're allowed to do in the show. And it's like, <laughs> don't, whatever you do, listen, mate, just don't mention Robbie Williams. It's like, don't tell me that. As I'm about to mention, it's like all I can think of is Robbie Williams. Uh, no, lovely chaps, lovely chaps. Uh, I wouldn't invite any of them to a pub quiz, but lovely chaps. Um, uh, uh, Gary's a great, he's a great musician. Gary, great. He is. Yeah. He is. Yeah. Yeah. He's. He's. Yeah. The others. The others are there for their dancing. They should. They should just be given a pair of maracas each, essentially. But yeah. I understand why women why women like them. No, no, I don't say why. I understand why people like them. Though. They're, they're great entertainers, especially when Robbie Williams was in it. One of the first dates I ever had with the Baroness was I took her to see the Take That musical. Um, in 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 London swanky West End, and I. I as, 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 every time I'm in the bad books, she says, "You don't love me." I said, "Yes, I do love you." I took you to see the take that musical, um, and I think it's fair to say, I am, uh, as as a uh, as a straight male, I, I was in a, a very significant minority, and I got told off by the woman sitting the other the other side of me for not getting up and dancing and singing along to some of the songs. Well, I mean, I have to say, "Rule the World" or whatever that song, and that's a great song. But having to sit through. Two hours to take that songs sung by somebody other than take that. It's, I can't imagine anything worse. Uh, we'll see, let's see how many followers we lose off the back of that conversation. <laughs> uh, but ultimate question comes from Lawrence, and Lawrence says you've mentioned in the past that Burnley used to be the best run Premier League club financially. Who would you say is the best run club now, and where would my team Aston Villa sit? We are racking up losses and reliant on owners, but at least we are debt free. 
Um, right, uh, Lawrence, the, uh, the champions of the, uh, of, of the price of football uh, best-run Premier League club are, uh, without doubt, uh, uh, Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, oh. they, uh, they really do wash their face. They, they've made more profits than any other club. They've made, they made four times the profits of Liverpool and five times the profits of Manchester United um, over the course of their, their Premier League tenure. Um, They've had wages as low as uh, 39% of revenue. And also, in, in respect of the new stadium, um, I think they are the club that have really sat down and thought about things about yeah, how do we make a 25-day-a-year business into something which is far more flexible um, and, and far more uh, successful at generating income. Yeah, and and ev- every single thing has been thought of over that club. Yeah, we know that they've got the roll-in, roll-out pitch. We know it's hosting not non non football things. Uh, yeah, everybody's heard about the uh, the 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 catering and and the you know you say oh you you your 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 pint of beer gets uh, gets the beer pumped in from the bottom um and and then you've got the magnet which which prevents it from leaking out isn't that really a wacky thing what people don't realize is that it reduces the amount of time it takes to to pull a pint by by 10 seconds you multiply 10 seconds by 50,000 people you know, you end up selling more catering uh, they make around about 800,000 pounds a match from from catering and even more than that when it's NFL because they put the prices up um so yeah spurs are are by far the, the most efficient, followed by by uh, Arsenal, um, but Arsenal have, have struggled in recent years due to um, not qualifying for the Champions League. Um, as as far as his club Villa are concerned, um, Villa are right at the opposite end of the the spectrum. Um, Villa have uh, lost four hundred and seventy two million pounds uh, in the Premier League, so that's the third highest after Chelsea and Manchester City. Um, and, uh, you know, and this, this isn't having a dig at Villa. Um, Chelsea and Manchester City can say, well, yes, we've lost a fortune, but look at our trophy cabinet. I think Villa have sort of got the worst, you know, the, the opposite of the sweet spot um, in the sense that, uh, that they've racked up huge losses and, and they've not managed to convert that into, uh, into trophies in recent years. Um, so, so yeah, it's uh, uh, they have got very good owners. Um, their owners regularly put money in, into the club, not in the form of loans, but in the form of shares, which does give the club additional security. But it's it's been a very expensive uh, uh, experience for uh, Wes Edens and Nasawari. That thirty nine percent wages to revenue figure at Spurs, Kieran, is incredible considering some of the numbers you've been telling us about from the Championship, isn't it? Yes, yeah, they. Uh, I think they've. Yeah, it, it's it's gone up in in the last couple of years because um, if you've got Mourinho and Conte at the club, they they want you to spend money. But uh, yeah, they have done extremely well, Spurs, and they they set themselves targets and budgets and and they stick to them. Um, I, I think they've uh, had the. Wouldn't say the fortune, but you know, in, in, when they when they, they they recruited the likes of Harry Kane via the via the academy, one thing you tend to notice with academy players is that for a, for a few years at least, they are relatively underpaid. 
Um, mm. So, so you know, until Harry Kane renegotiated his contract, they they were getting him in terms of his ability uh, for a, for a, a, for a relative pittance compared to other elite strikers. Uh, our final question, Kieran, comes from Alan Hemphill. And Alan says, how common are transfer release clauses in player contracts? And will they be more common in future if players see the potential for higher wages if they are cheaper to purchase? Um, they are becoming increasingly common because um, since the uh, arrival of the, the Bosman ruling, um, and for, for people that may not be familiar with it, um, uh, it, it's if you have a four-year contract and you get to the end of your your final year, you are then allowed to leave the club um, for nothing. Um, and what what players and agents realised was that um, if you could leave for nothing, um, it meant that your your previous club didn't get a transfer fee, and therefore you could get effectively the equivalent of a transfer fee for signing on for a new club. Um, so so this was beneficial for for players at the elite level in particular um and we, we've seen with uh, manchester city signing harland they, they did that for i think it was a 60 million euro release clause yeah 51 yeah. million pounds yeah. um and arguably a, a a bargain you know considering what what the going rate you would expect to be for a player of that nature so so therefore um players representatives will Put in these release clauses, and if you are following the the popular press, there is actually a a, a big debate taking place at present as to just what is uh, Harlan's release clause at Manchester City, um, and does that taper down as we get closer and closer to the end of his contract? So, I, I would certainly, if, if I was a representative, um, I would try to ensure that that's put into the contract because it's in the best interests. Of of the player, uh, it it stops uh, it stops clubs putting out ludicrous fees or, or fees which are going to put off other clubs. Um, and again, if we look at Man- the Manchester City situation. It, I think it's it's fairly well known that uh, they were keen to sign Harry Kane about you know, about eighteen months ago, and that didn't materialise because. Um, he didn't have a release clause in his contract, and, and Spurs were quoting, I think, 150 million for him to move on, and, and City weren't prepared to pay that much. Yeah. Thank you to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to make a small monthly contribution as well, then that would be very kind of you. Then go to patreon.com/slash price of football. And if you have a question you'd like answered on the show, email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. We'll be back on Thursday with our usual news pod. In the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell. Well, as always, folks, thank you very much for the support for the show. Thanks for keeping in touch through a variety of means. It, it, it does keep us um, on our toes. And, and, and just a, a quick shout out to the turnstile operator at Lewis, who, <laughs> who, who contacted me uh, overnight to say, I thought it was you. I thought I recognised that voice as you went through, but I wasn't certain. Um, so... Um, uh. And thank you to Lewis FC for the wagon wheel as well. Um, so if, if you want to support the club, Patreon is, is one one method, and we really appreciate everything that you you, you do for us with if that particular means. Another way of doing so is, is going on to your uh, is going on to your app and um, uh, putting uh, putting a review. And if you can give us five stars, it helps us in the charts. And it doesn't doesn't matter what you put. Um, you, you could even put uh, you'd rather have the show presented by. Colton Palmer and Jeffrey Dahmer. And it would make a blind bit of difference to us. 
it, it would make I've I'd obviously Jeffrey Dahmer's a horrible man, but I wouldn't wish him Carlton Palmer on him at all. Um <laughs> has, have you reached a point, Kieran, where you are raising your voice every time you see somebody in the hope that they might recognise it. <laughs> no, no I, I, I hate, I hate things like that. I, I, I get very confused. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, it's, uh, another, another Sam Allardyce where, during the ad break for the England game the other night. My son, who is the face of the ITVX advert, was on, uh, and I went, "Oh, Sam, there's my son," and he said, uh, "Which one is that? Is it? It's only him and a woman." <laughs> uh, that's another reason why I'm slightly confused by life. But, uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Um, if you recognise Kieran's voice when you're out and about, please let us know <laughs> and enjoy or, these. Or, or if you're on, or if, if you're on the four twenty six from Haywards Heath tomorrow morning, come and say hello. Oh, it's going to turn into one of those. I, I was reading a brilliant book recently about. I can't remember the name of the train now, but it's a train like a showbiz special that used to go from Brighton. Uh, in the morning and in the evenings, and in the evenings on the way back, it was full of people like Laurence Olivier and, and famous mm. actors. And it turned into a person. The four twenty six from Haywards Heath tomorrow is now going to turn into a, a football finance podcast party. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the party train. Like Jimmy Hill used to have the Coventry, and that's a way of ending the pod. I didn't think would happen. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. I'm for football.